0: Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing grab your coffee and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your
1: workforce.
0: If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR
1: then this podcast is for you. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resource Podcast. My name is Brenda and I am here to help share with you the what and the how in human resources and I'm in the human business which means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage and folks if this is the first time that you've joined in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Super excited to have you guys here. And if you are listening and are a returning listener, a repeat listener, listener, thank you so much for coming aboard again and sharing this adventure week after week, month after month. Uh, You you know, you guys just feel the fire. And I tell you what, some of the comments that you guys have been leaving uh, in your uh, ratings, in the podcast reviews, Thank you. Very, very humbled by that, and I really, really, really appreciate it. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about, <clears throat> we have got employment law changes across the nation, and I'm going to share with you later in the show where you can actually get access to these articles. Also, um, very special guest today, our main topic, we're going to be talking about resiliency and leadership with uh, U.S. Navy SEAL Mike Day, super guy, really good friend of mine, uh, incredible story, And uh, just love what he has to say. We laugh a lot. I think I giggle more than I laugh, but we laugh a lot in this episode. Um, Also, we've got the HR question of the day. And at the end, I'm going to tell you how you can get best practices delivered right into your inbox. Now, folks, before we move forward, the information that is available through this podcast is, in fact, for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue. And if you do not have an employment attorney, go ahead, reach out to me, and I may be able to refer one to you through our Affiliates Program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. All right, so let's get to it. So employment law updates across the nation. Um, OSHA... And uh, immigration services are actually putting out a lot of really great information um, and pertaining to the coronavirus. So if you guys have employees that are traveling throughout the world, make sure that you stay up to date on what is out there as far as there's actually there were six new countries that were actually added to the list in which there's a travel ban in effect. And also um, there's some really great information out there, that you can easily find on what employers should be doing to be prepared to deal with the coronavirus. And I'll tell you what, if you guys are part of our mailing list, then I'll make sure that I get something sent out to you uh, this week. Um, also, the governor over in California is already starting to make some pretty big changes to the California leave law. So heads up on that one. Also in California, there's a court that has granted the preliminary injunction on enforcement uh in regards to the employment arbitration agreement. So there is now a ban on what we had talked about So quite a while ago, actually, when the arbitration agreements were, all that stuff was coming up over in California. So right now, the preliminary injunction is in in effect. Um, over in Maryland, they have enacted a statewide ban the box law. So if you're in Maryland, make sure that you are updating and checking your employment applications on, on that. Over in Ohio, there's an appellate court that found that the overly broad arbitration agreement is actually unenforceable. And lastly, over in Texas, uh, there's a, one of the courts has rejected an effort to dismiss the non-compete lawsuit based off of free speech grounds. So that is what is going across in the nation this week. So my guest today is a pretty incredible human being. Uh, he's somebody that I've known now for a couple of years I have a tremendous amount of respect for and uh, he's about ready to do some pretty cool stuff. He's got a book that's coming out. Um, he's He's got an amazing story and there's a lot of podcasts out there right now that have I think there's probably about maybe seven that have done real in-depth conversations with him about the incident that took place where he was shot, and Mike just wasn't just shot. He was shot 27 times. He took 11 rounds in his plate, 16 rounds throughout his body. Um, he actually, he'll tell you a little bit more about it. So I don't want to, I don't want to steal the thunder too much. Then he took a hit from a grenade immediately after that. Wound up losing a guy on that operation. Got everybody accounted for. Took down the four bad guys that uh, shot him up. And then he walked out to the helicopter and uh, just, I mean, just an impressive individual and, and certainly his, you know, road to recovery, it was really funny. He told me one time, he said, getting shot was just a nuisance. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. So uh, he's just an amazing human being. I've spent a lot of time with him <clears throat> and uh, we've had some pretty deep, hearty conversations and you know he's just out there to he's just out there to help people out and and he really does he's got a heart of gold so I'm not going to waste any more time uh, getting into this but I did ask him if he'd be willing to come and talk on the podcast and really talk about resiliency and kind of share some of the things that he did from a leadership perspective and this is one of those interviews that there isn't anything in here that you can't take away and actually apply either towards your personal life or towards you know your professional world uh you know thinking about man i'll tell you what every time i i talk to him and i hear these stories so i'm really grateful to have him in my world and we laugh a lot in this interview and it's really funny because the look on his face i wish you could just see the look on his face so first off i'm also going to apologize due to the sound Um, we were in in a kind of a little bit noisier environment with extremely sensitive equipment So we had a seven year old running across the second floor where there was a in the room we were in was parked next to a gym. So it picked up all the music and we're fidgety when we're talking and I'm writing and, you know, he's constantly doing something. So you kind of hear all the banging on the table. So I I apologize up front. But you know what? You you forget all that after a little while and you just focus in on what's being said. So without further ado, folks, here's my friend Mike. All right, folks, I have somebody that I am excited to have on on the episode. It's somebody I've been waiting to get on here for a little while. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, in the intro, I I spoke about him for a few minutes. But uh, folks, I'd like to welcome Mike Day, my friend Mike Day. Hi.
0: What's up, Brenna? How much? How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: You're welcome. And we've got Hera, the Wonder Dog, underneath. (laughs) Since I don't have a Wonder Dog anymore, she's adopted old title.
0: She doesn't bark.
1: She's awesome. I love her.
0: Me she's, too. She's her, a pretty girl.
1: Her butt literally is keeping my feet warm right now, <laughs> or at least she was.
0: She's a good girl. Yeah, she is. She didn't like, I guess, much.
1: No. No, <coughs> she's a pretty awesome dog, and she's she's a service dog that uh, works with Mike. So, she's pretty. She's pretty great. She's not quite a year, right? Uh, this month. This month, she's End a of year this old? Month. And she's a Malinois, Belgian Malinois.
0: Yes, she is. Sweet, love it.
1: Cool. So, Mike has got a pretty interesting story, and what we're talking about today is uh, resiliency. And honestly, after everything that Mike has been through that I know of that I really couldn't think of anybody better to talk about being resilient, but he's you also retired. You know, Those that know have listened earlier know that you are a um, retired U.S. Navy SEAL, but you were you a were senior chief, if I remember right? Yes,
0: when I retired.
1: Yes. And you retired. You were a senior chief. So... Just so you guys understand if you're not familiar with um rank, that is the second highest enlistment rank.
0: So okay. probably equivalent to what?
1: Uh H- probably R- like director. Director mm. level in a corporation. Really? Like yeah, master chief and senior chief.
0: Well underpaid then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry I can't help you with that. <laughs> but I'll get right on yeah. it, sir. <laughs> Anyway, so um, you know, a lot of what Mike has to offer is his is his backstory and you know, how he's pushed through in his leadership and some you know, the goal is to provide some tips and tricks and you know, take good takeaways for anybody who's listening to this episode, either be it an HR professional or anybody in a leadership capacity, on you know, an experienced, you know, full term leader. So this'll be awesome. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, and you can swear. You know that, right?
0: I'm practicing not. <laughs> There's places I'm not supposed to.
1: Oh um, my guests, that, that's the rule. We don't talk politics yeah. on the show, and guests can swear. I have no problems with. It. We'll just flip you it just to explicit. they will just bleep it. That's exactly right. Cool. So would you, so people understand a little bit more about who you are? Would you do me a favor and would you kind of give a little bit of your backstory, so yeah. they understand um, where you're from, and where you're coming from?
0: Well, the whole story is going to be uh, available. And hardcover here, nine
1: June. I'm so excited about that.
0: <laughs> you guys can follow me on uh, Mike Day 5326 on Instagram until I get my social media straight. Uh, but I have a book coming out uh, nine June uh, called Perfectly Wounded. I also have a website, perfectlywounded.com, uh, where the book can be pre-ordered. Uh, and it's a it's a it's a memoir on how I built my resiliency and. Uh, how I got to where I was and uh, where I am now, uh, how, I, how I didn't know I was doing things just subconsciously because of the situation I was in uh, until I was able to bring it to the you know the conscious forethro- forefront mm-hmm. and uh, actually apply it instead of kind of just like stumbling through. Um, but I do go off on tangents and I'm going to blame it on repetitive <laughs> knocks to the head. I can't even remember the original question right now on such a tangent. <laughs>
1: The the question was a little bit about your background.
0: Oh, the background. There you go. Uh, we haven't
1: even gotten to the first question. Uh, well, it was a statement.
0: <laughs> well, we can't go into memoir format no, for, for background. Uh, but I, I would say for you know for what we're doing here, uh, I was in the Navy for uh, 21 years. Most of that was in the SEAL teams, uh, in all levels of leadership, and uh, uh, quite honestly, you know, uh, in in a position where. Uh, in positions where it was hard to find uh, the patience to be someone that could follow, which is a was a good lesson for me. Um, it's a very aggressive uh, society in the SEAL teams. <laughs> it's um, uh, it's it, it, it would be a terrible place to be if if you weren't some mostly competent in all skill sets. If you had to work and try, yeah, it almost has to be like a natural thing. That, uh, that comes to you um, uh, but it's also not expected that you know how to do all that stuff when you show up and as leaders I don't think we should expect people to know things that we know uh, and forgot where we came from uh, on how stupid we were when we were in those
1: positions <laughs> that's what duct uh, tapes were <laughs> all of, uh,
0: pain is sometimes uh,
1: <laughs> the
0: best teacher you know was for me uh, but I don't think we can do that out there in the corporate world.
1: No, not really.
0: It's it'd be pretty efficient, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that. That's not the case. I mean, the the SEAL teams worked well because uh, uh, leadership went up and down. Um, there wasn't as much as a uh, delineation between enlisted and officer. Uh, quite uh, quite honestly, I a good. A good officer is somebody that knows that he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And the learning curve for an officer in the SEAL teams is very, very, very steep. Um, you know, I was in my 8th platoon when my officer in charge was in his 2nd platoon, his 2nd deployment, and he was a really good officer. Uh, and I can also say that about myself, too. I can't assume that I that I know everything. Uh, when I did my platoon chief slot, I was very... I was very lucky to have the group of guys that I had. Uh, I say I really didn't have a job because they all knew what they were supposed to do, and uh, occasionally I would get uh, to the point where I micromanaged them, and they would always tell me, "Hey, chief, get out of my back pocket." (laughs) Uh, So that was, you know, for me, for a a role of leadership, uh, to understand that you can't have your mitts and everything. You just got to trust the people that you work with, and uh, it's it's. Turns into a matter of respect and and trust. If they don't trust you, they ain't going to do anything for you. Right. So.
1: That's certainly tr- well. That's true in, in teams in general. You know, um, I, you have to set your expectations. I, and I say if there's anything that I get into the most is when it comes to dealing with like group dynamics, uh, interpersonal connectivity with in building the trust and, and with your team is that you have to set your expectations. If you don't set your expectations, nobody really knows what to aim for. And, and they don't know where to operate because there's boundaries in everything. And either you're making it or you're exceeding it. More likely that people are <laughs> far below it. And if you don't put your expectations out there, I mean, the SEAL teams, from what I know, <clears throat> they're pretty darn clear about what they expect you to be able to do and not do. And then what you don't know how to do, you, you get the appropriate training for it. But um, if you don't set the expectations, then all, basically all you're doing is just managing chaos at that point.
0: Well, it's funny that they are stated very specifically, expectations. Uh, and then the SEAL teams, if you're at just those expectations, you're not doing too good.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so the like whole um, doing the limbo, doing the... Minimum right. to get by is not is not is not accepted and it stands out.
1: Right. So a lot of what people know you for, <clears throat> and this is what this is what leads into our resiliency and leadership conversation is is uh, you know what happened to you specifically oh, that, overseas that, that, that little gunfight. Yeah, that little that little pew pew moment you had.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I went almost 19 years in the SEAL teams. To quite honestly, I think some of my childhood was. <laughs> more dangerous than anything I did in the SEAL teams, oh. uh, with nothing more than broken fingers and toes. So I can't even say I've ever had any injuries up until this point, and uh, we were on an op on, inside of the last two weeks of, of our deployment doing a turnover operation, and I uh, entered into a room got shot 21 times. I took uh, 16 to the body, and 11 to my body armor, and it was everywhere. Um, <laughs> I was the only one to get in the room. There was four guys in the room. Two had AK-47s. One of them had M4 and one of them had a pistol. And I got into this gunfight by myself with these four guys. Lost my rifle as soon as I got in the room. Um, dispatched them all with a pistol. And uh, the second guy that I had shot was trying to run out of the room with a grenade that he already armed. He had pulled a pin on it. And I dropped him in the room. The grenade blew up and knocked me out. Right. So it was... Uh, it was an event that, uh, right now in the SEAL teams, I don't think there's anybody that hasn't heard it. I, no, I was there, and I don't believe it. It was outrageously ridiculous, and I, I question my own memory of it, mm-hmm. although I remember all of it. Um, in very slow motion. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, time stands still when trauma is in motion.
0: Uh, yeah, but I, I've been doing that ever since I was a kid. Uh there's some scientific term for it, you know. I can remember falling out of trees when I was a kid and feeling like it took minutes to hit the ground. Yeah. Um,
1: but. Well, I can relate to that because when I got attacked by a, I was attacked by a dog when I was 12. I think I've told you that story, and I remember everything so vividly. But I also remember it moving extremely slow. hmm And and that's just I find that.
0: Extremely slow, but relative to everything else being slow.
1: Absolutely. You know,
0: like Matrix. Yeah.
1: yeah. Totally absolutely it's like all of a sudden i remember you know when i had to when i had to hit the dog off of my leg <clears throat> and eventually i you know my i wound up getting like 144 stitches in my right leg and it took 32 years 30 years for the nerves to fully heal and recover but i remember everything slowing down just the sound and everything like and the sound went away and that was what Mind was interesting too. did it really
0: right it's called auditory exclusion.
1: Is that what that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything just got silent. And the only thing that I was honed in on, it was like tunnel vision, was just that moment of, of what I was dealing with with this dog latched onto my leg. Because
0: I, I wasn't wearing hearing protection. Uh, you know, we have to wear that stuff in training to make sure we don't get hurt. But I couldn't wear glasses when I operated. Yeah. I would sweat so bad, I just couldn't see. So it's either take a risk of losing an eyeball. Yeah. Uh, or getting shot.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So you know, you know, same thing uh, uh, with uh, hearing protection. Uh, at the time, we had these things called peltors, and the way they, uh, you had to wear them, would give me such a bad headache that I, I couldn't see straight. So right. I just didn't wear them, and I had no hearing damage uh, from that event. And hundreds of rounds were fired in that room, in a small wow. twelve by twelve room.
1: That's amazing. <coughs> You go through your recovery period. <clears throat> I know what you shared with me is that you, you know, once you were released from the, the hospital, you were able to return back to the SEAL teams for, you know, obviously you weren't in a deployable condition, but you were working and continuing to support, uh, you know, back-end ops here back in the state. <clears throat> Anything that needed to have done needed to be done, and we won't disclose Actually, what uh, had to be done. the reason but. why
0: I got out was because I was deployable again, and they wanted me oh, to do an 18-month-long really? deployment.
1: Eighteen months. Yep.
0: Wow. And Some that was, reason
1: I thought you med—I I thought you medboarded out.
0: Nope.
1: You didn't medically retire.
0: No, I'm in better shape than a lot of guys. still <laughs> Yes, you field are. To. I know you are. I went to VA now.
1: <laughs> yes, I've seen you four-wheel in a golf cart. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I don't know anybody
0: anybody four-wheel golf cart?
1: <laughs> but this—but that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yes, but you do it with flair. You have your own <laughs> style with it but, but that, I think that's what I'm referring to is that you know here you are you get right back into the game again where a lot of people when they face something that traumatic uh, you know they you know they they go inward so far that it's hard to come out and I think that's a part of resiliency
0: well, well it is I mean, just like anything it has to be practiced and I was forced to practice it yeah my father was a monster Ooh. the seal teams were easy uh, that that event uh, and I have to say is being shot that many times I uh, only had two bones hit everything else was soft tissue I had you know some pins in my thumb Uh, my scapula was shattered Uh, but all in all it's it's outrageous that it only hit two bones Uh, and there's not a whole lot of residual I mean I lost a job (laughs) <laughs> recently, jumping out of airplanes because my back doesn't want to work sometimes. Yeah,
1: I remember you telling me about that.
0: Um, and led to another injury. I <clears> tore my pec off my arm. Uh, so they wouldn't let me jump out of airplanes anymore because no. I can't open a parachute, no. which I think is a good reason to not let somebody jump out of an airplane.
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of a necessary piece of gear that you need yeah. to have function.
0: That's why there's two. <laughs> <laughs> and after the third time of doing it, they were like, Mike... <laughs> hey, all you gotta do is move the throw out. I just can't reach behind my back anymore. Let's put it on my hip. Okay, tangent, no. tangent again. But that's okay. Um, that's a
1: good tangent. That's a funny one. I like that one. Uh,
0: so the resiliency—it's—it's uh, it's practiced uh, like anything. Um, it is resiliency is your reaction to physical or psychological stress, and I think that when you practice either one, it crosses over. Uh, for instance, when you Uh, when you work out and it doesn't have to be anything really difficult but you have to push past a certain point that you don't want to Mm -hmm. that builds also psychological resiliency the physical resiliency is that reaction to it is that you get stronger uh, and it crosses over so it should be practiced I think you should do something you know just plan to do something that builds that resiliency on a daily basis, you know, either psychologically or physically.
1: Would you throw spiritually in there too?
0: Spiritual? Um, yeah, I'm kind of on a, on a lazy period. You know, I, I feel better. Well, I was letting things get in my way mm-hmm. uh, before. You know, I like being able to go to yogi, yoga on a regular basis and um, I do like meditation Uh, but it's, it's easy to be lazy and not plan time for that. Yep. But I mean, if you don't have the time for it, you know, a workout can be meditation. It's, it's all in the breath. You just, it's what I do now for workouts. It's not how hard I kill myself and how hard I hurt. It's more of the breathing.
1: Yeah. I was for a while ago. Mm Hmm. I would say back in August of this year, late July, August of this I feel year. Feel so
0: hypocritical. I haven't been working out for like two months. <laughs> I've been doing some hikes and stuff with. I Harry. know that, but Harry that's, keeps me honest. But
1: but that that's <laughs> being honest right there. I mean, that's you're into something. But so I, you know, I I had a realization like back in August that I had stopped investing in myself, and that's and that's where it, I had an epiphany that. When you invest in yourself and you like you were just talking about like you make those things happen then then you're you're feeding something like you're feeding your soul you're feeding your, your body feeding you know your mental state <clears throat> and I realized that I had stopped doing it and it was interesting that it wasn't an easy get snapback to get into like you just didn't pick up a book and all of a start start reading and then you felt level and regulated again I was really to the far left on it and um, and when I found out um, actually just a couple of weeks ago, is that um, my, I don't have a thyroid, you know that, but my thyroid levels were so far off um, that I was actually dealing, I had a cancer scare over Christmas and that I had throat cancer. And so we ran all the tests and thank goodness I don't I don't have anything. But it was amazing to me that how far out of whack things got. And so that's why when I built this community and the things that I talk about with other HR professionals and even leaders that I consult in business, it's like you got to do something to, to do something just for you. I don't care if it's just at least 30 minutes once a week. Just do something for you. And then once you get into it. What happens is that you kind of start like really getting into it you know like you were talking about how you did all those hikes i was watching you on facebook and you had these yet so you went to some pretty amazing places out there
0: that was a pretty cool trip yeah she uh, i was afraid to put her on an airplane yet so
1: yeah hi she's
0: getting ready to fly though
1: that'll be cool yeah. See so, yeah, how she does but but that goes back to you know building something to where when the stresses of life or work really start coming down in your head, your, your body is capable of carrying that, I think, a little bit better.
0: It is. If you're rested and strong, Yeah. Uh, you're definitely going to be more resilient. I mean, there's, and it, and it kind of My- comes on and just because you're stronger at one point in your life, it uh, doesn't mean that you'll falter later on in, a, in, a, in that same place. And a lot of that has to do with health. Yeah. Um, and I was pretty terrible for for actually not taking care of it. I'm more of an advocate for building self now. Yeah. You know? And I say that because you, the better self you build, the better you are for the people around you. And I was a, I was a people pleaser. I I didn't even know what I wanted or needed. I couldn't really? identify what my wants and needs were. So I couldn't even figure out if the people around me were were meeting him. Really? Uh, so that was that was a pretty big thing for me, but and that didn't happen till just not too long ago. So.
1: So in your leadership, uh, when you were in the SEAL teams, I mean, you guys—if those who are listening and don't know what happens every morning, or at least once a day—is that there's some form of PT that's done physical uh, training. Um, what did you do for yourself, or like? I don't want to ask this question. So in well, leadership, as as
0: leadership, yeah, uh, I made sure that I was doing everything that everybody else was doing. That the guys saw that I was doing it. I mean, I had a, I had a second chief in my platoon, um, and we would do this run swim. You know, run a couple of miles, get to the bridge, and swim back to the other bridge. And this guy. Uh, decided that he he didn't want to do didn't want to do the swim because he got tired of kicking.
1: Oh really? And he's a chief.
0: He's an E seven. There's a whole bunch of people that uh, in the chain of command fall subordinate to him and they watched him. They watched him get out of the water. And his excuse was I I just didn't want to do it anymore. Well you can't expect luckily he wasn't in charge because half of the other guys probably wouldn't want, well screw it, I don't want to swim either. When yeah. I mean, it was cold, we were wearing every layer of wetsuit we had on. I thought it was stupid we were swimming, too. I always thought the swims in the winter were stupid. But um, uh, I, that was, uh, I think, a big part of why the guys respected me is because they saw that I didn't do as I say.
1: Yeah. You led by example. I never example. did that.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm... I don't know. Pretty big on not giving people the social status that society actually gives them. Uh, I mean, I really don't care. If, I mean, I'll give the respect for the position of a four star, mm-hmm. but, and I will, I will respect that position, but the person, I, I don't like it when somebody demands of me that I respect them.
1: Doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at no. all, no.
0: And I've seen it. I've seen people come out and say, "Well, this is I'm the boss, so you have to respect me." Yeah. Well, your success depends on those people. We call them the uh, the sled dogs, the E5 <laughs> Mafia. You. And if, if they're not, if they see that you're not competent, I see chiefs, senior chiefs, officers get fired based on the opinion of a bunch of E5s that are probably in their second platoon. <laughs> Um. You can't be successful by yourself. You can't. No. You can't force it, uh, and you can't be everywhere at the same time. I used to love it when they told me to get out of my back pocket. I was like, Am I really micromanaging that bad? I was just kind of hanging out, kind of, kind of sneakily looking at what you guys are doing. <laughs> And then they had a buy-in to, you know, the, the end state. Um, we all had buy-in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but we also knew each other's jobs up and down. Uh, if something was to happen to one of us... Um, We could all replace each other. Not as well. We weren't specialists in all those positions, but...
1: No, but everybody knew what was expected. And if one person went down or got sidetracked or something, then some... Mm -hmm. Anybody... That's one thing I do know is that anybody on the op can at least take a step forward and fill the gap.
0: You know, I'm glad some guys never went Mm -hmm. down with the stuff that I wasn't really competent with, like radios. Right. It's like, man, so many buttons and stuff. (laughs)
1: So many blinking lights. <laughs> and this is why yeah. I love Mike so much. <laughs> it's true. though. I know. I knew
0: where I wasn't competent. Well, I was competent. I knew where my weaknesses were. I, at least I think I do. Once you discover your own ignorance, you have to actually ask yourself, well, how deep does it actually go? But, um, <laughs> I try not to be hypocritical. Hate
1: it, hypocrites. Yeah, what would you say is like your best success story on the teams in your in your tenure in leadership? Mm.
0: I would say that that last troop that I did at SEAL Team Four, and I knew it felt good. Um, You know, being with that group, it was the best group of guys I ever worked with. Everything just Flowed. There wasn't a whole lot of conflict within the team itself. Um, everybody took care of each other, uh, but I didn't realize. I mean, I knew it was extraordinary what we got to do and the relationships we had in that group. But it was probably the best compliment I ever got in uh, my career. Was you know, I got hurt. I got medevaced. I wound up getting out. And uh, the guys went, the subordinate guys, the, the E5 Mafia, <laughs> <laughs> uh, went to different platoons. And they went and did platoons with uh, other leadership. <clears throat> and there was a few of them that came back and they were like, Mike, when you were our chief, we thought you were an asshole. There it is. I cussed. I was consciously, consciously cussed. But it's a direct but, quote. <laughs> yeah, it's a direct quote. <laughs> So you have to act. it doesn't, it doesn't count. It won't be edited. It doesn't count. Like, Mike, <laughs> you were an asshole when you were our chief, but after ah. you went and did our, our next platoons, we wish we had you back. And that was because I was, I, I might've been hard without knowing it, mm-hmm. but I was always there for everything that uh, had to be done.
1: Would you say and, that you were consistent like you were a consistent leader. Yeah,
0: I think I was. They recognized me. To be fair.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, I
1: think that's that's kind of a, a. So in my in my line of work.
0: I definitely wasn't that. Hey, you come over here and pick up this piece of garbage at my feet. Right. It, and,
1: in in my line of work, one of the hardest things that any HR professional has to really learn how to absor- to absorb is that just because it's legal doesn't mean it's fair, and just because it's fair doesn't mean it's legal. And that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. But you know, now that I'm in the civilian world, and, you know, selling this book, uh, the difference between the military and, <clears throat> and the, uh, the outside world is that the motivation is different. Totally. Um, in the military, there is no, there's no dollar signs at, at the end. Uh, other than what you can save or what you can get away with spending uh, <laughs> to make things better. Uh, I still think that we're, you know, as far as, you know, gross national national product, uh, I think we're still within our rights to uh, spend the money where we're spending it because of the benefit that we're getting from it. Uh, there goes a tangent. What the hell was the question?
1: <laughs> we were talking about fair and legal.
0: Oh, yeah. Morality. <laughs> Morality. Uh, but, but it was all based but there on was, motivation, was, too. Well, yeah, Well, the motivation outside of the military is money.
1: Right. That's where, Most of the time. That's where you spun off.
0: Yeah. And in the military, it's uh, mission accomplishment, uh, which can be transferred into the corporate world and to HR. Uh, you have to have a mission statement, um, which, you know, the end state is to make money. Uh, but you got to do it morally, and it kind of sucks how uh, the law can be used to dictate morality, which it, it is doing now. But yeah, um, uh, it's not morality, it's not even a question. It's what, what is legally allowable.
1: Well, I think that depends on, the on culture yeah, too. Yeah, but people, the, people, people, people understand company.
0: when they're screwing somebody over and oh, using yeah. the whole.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'm a, I'm a buyer. I, I absolutely, in my practice and what I teach people, is that you have to find, I mean, HR really is that delicate balance between doing what's in the best interest of the company and doing what's in the best interest of the employee. When, when you're when you able to find that balance, and sometimes the scales tip one way or another.
0: But the baseline on that, though, is that people have to have personal responsibility. And totally. not And not because I'm... In this job i expect or my my entitlement is that yes no you're you don't have any entitlement you're in a job where you have a right uh to have a job and if you don't meet the expectations like we were talking about earlier known expectations and generally known expectations are written on the lowest level acceptable so if you're only meeting those as an employee uh, well someone's going to come take your job (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that respect needs to go up and down. Uh, if employees don't know their expectations, don't know their place.
1: Yeah. And when people don't know their expectations and they don't know their place, then you know what, in my opinion, more than often than not, it's not, that's not on the shoulders of the, of the employee. That's no, on the shoulders should. of the leader. Right.
0: And, you know, expectations should be evaluated on a somewhat regular basis like they're in the military yeah whether good or bad with the option to uh to counsel in between you know whatever it is you know it's, if it's a uh, an evaluation every six months and the person's that's when that person that gets an evaluation of that t- that time period but in between if they're not meeting expectations you can't wait till they're six months out screwing up without somebody telling them. Right. Uh, and then just fire them. I, now there is that morality thing in law. Mm-hmm. Is, isn't Virginia a uh, right to work, or what's it called? So is
1: a right to work. You can fire somebody st- for any reason? That's at will employment. Right to yeah. work, it, we are a right to work state, but right to work simply means that if you work for an organization and the position you're going into is protected by a collective bargaining agreement mm-hmm. or a union, then you don't. You're not obligated to join no. the union and pay union dues. You can still work without being in the union. What at will simply means that um, the employee or the employer can separate. I mean, with or without cause, at any time. Yeah,
0: without <clears throat> cause.
1: Right, without cause.
0: So that's 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 kind of. But that's, I mean, that's kind of a slippery slope. Through. I mean, you, it you can, is. You can use that if you have to. If you have because there are difficult employees yes. out there. Uh, and that's that's from the people I know that have businesses, that's their biggest problem is employees and their personal issues and
1: drama coming to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: if you if you can't make a, a standard forty hour week and get to work on time, you need to fix that. Yeah. So
1: But you know, there's a lot of people uh, now, first off, at will actually is, it's more complicated now today than ever was before because it can get layered on different types of situations or it can get layered underneath different circumstances. Like you got to have somebody with an American, that's protected under the American with Disabilities Act. Well, if you have a veteran who, let's say for example you have a veteran who works for your workplace and, and they do have an element of PTSD or TBI and they're, they're pretty snappy with the mouth and that can cause conflict in the workplace. If that's the sole cause of it, then at well, therefore, becomes a risk. So being able to separate from somebody just because you can, because they can come back at you with a, with a claim, possibly. I mean, that's a very loose Well, those loose people are example. out there, too. They
0: understand the law, and they'll abuse it. Oh, Lord, and yes, they'll, they'll they do. They'll have terrible job performance because they know you can't do nothing to them. Kind of like a GS in the military. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just tell me how you really feel. Everybody. It's true. <laughs> it's
0: hard to fire one of those people.
1: I know it is. I know it is. But
0: matter of fact, you can have a GS that you want to fire, uh, but you can't. You can't fire them, and they just get moved to another position in the same rank.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They might go from managing like a a group of ten people to handing out towels over at the pool, getting the same pay. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a bit, but
1: you know you are. <laughs> oh my god! But theoretically,
0: yes, yes, that is
1: almost that true. At the pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is why you're so fun to talk to. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, what would you say was your greatest success in leadership? What was your best day, in the teams? Well,
0: best day. I don't have one that comes to mind. I had a lot of good times. I just had a lot of fun all the time. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of times, well, we say it's those those 10, those 10 bad trips make up. That one good trip makes up for the 10 bad trips. And we were in a lot of bad places, too, but uh, it, was, it was just fun. Yeah. Even there, uh, which is probably not a thing that builds resiliency within a within a team, is to do something that sucks together, and that's probably the bond that's built in the SEAL teams because we do a lot of stuff that sucks together, and uh, it does build a bond mm-hmm. and a um, and a friendship and a, um, and a and a sense of. Um, Uh, camaraderie where you where you wind up putting yourself before the other person Um, and it's all through uh, if you look at the the essence of it trauma you know the the trauma the suffering trauma together Uh, just doing stuff that sucks
1: yeah it's interesting because I don't think people really realize how collaborative the SEAL teams are I mean this is this is the you know Navy's elite and it, it's kind of a interesting dichotomy because you guys operate collaboratively in an autocratic environment.
0: It's it it works because there's people that uh, as they come up in rank are taught those positions mm-hmm. and and how to work within the system because we don't you know for instance when we go on deployment. Um, The SEAL teams never own battle space. It's not our battle space. We have to work within the constructs of whoever owns that battle space. Like when I was in Fallujah, that was the Marine Corps. So there was some. I believe he was a colonel uh, that owned the battle space in Fallujah. So we had to get permission from from that guy to do our job. And if we didn't have proper collaboration, which you know, it's sometimes with the SEAL teams and the Marine Corps. Uh, you know definitely prior 9/11 there wasn't a very good relationship, a good working relationship like there is now. Um, but things that we found that were important uh, or more so that they found important, we didn't find was important. Uh, like clean uniforms in the, in the morning going to breakfast after we've been working all night because we got because we're a little bit bloody and muddy.
1: Yeah, and you work at night.
0: Yeah, we work at night. I mean, you guys are they, not
1: for parade.
0: No, well, we got, well, they didn't like us coming in there looking all dirty. Uh, it's a big, thing, big thing on their plate. You know, the Marine Corps is more so into, uh, if we don't keep really strict guidelines on everything, then nothing can go right. And in the SEAL teams, it's more of a, uh, <clears throat> here's the end state. Here's your guidelines, don't go left or right of these. Figure out how to do it. You know, Not given a step-by-step, step. this is how you will do it, no deviation, which is more like the Marine Corps is. Yeah. Um, I hope I didn't insult them, because I love the Marine Corps. But
1: no, I don't think you did. I, I didn't hear anything insulting in there.
0: I almost went to the Marine Corps. <laughs> I was kicked out of high school in uh, Virginia Beach, at a, a high school um, <clears throat> Uh, named Green Run, and anybody that's local knows that's a pretty hard thing to do. Uh, went to the Job Corps in Baltimore, got my GED, uh, got a vocation in carpentry, got a journeyman's license in carpentry, tried their college, didn't make the first semester up in Pittsburgh, and went up joining the Navy at 17 years old. And that tangent made me forget the... Uh,
1: what we were talking <laughs> about. <laughs> TBI. That's okay. We were talking about, um, God, now my dyslexia is kicking in. What we were talking about, I asked you, so we were talking about collaboration. And oh, how, yeah, and the collaboration how the, with the Marine Corps. The That's
0: how that started.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'll be my yeah. only guest with a, with a gag reel. <laughs> so we,
0: yeah, I mean, that we had to work with uh, so many other units that we were, maybe not subordinate to, but we needed them. Quite honestly, they needed us too, but we required their permission and their authorization to do what we wanted to do. Uh, So I think, I think that kind of answered that question.
1: It did. I mean, and that's, that's no different than what happens with, you know, companies with different divisions or different departments or, you know, different departmental leaders. I mean, Everybody's got to find the common ground in order to move forward.
0: And that's the mission statement. Everybody's working towards the accomplishment of that mission statement. Right.
1: And it's amazing how ego tends to trip that up sometimes.
0: Well, it is. I hate bullies, too. Those are usually the ones that try to demand respect uh, because of their position. Because I think we all understand how to respect and appreciate a certain position, but if the wrong person's in it, it's that yeah. position is it's not gonna be very effective.
1: No, it's not. And it's a what I always find interesting is in, and every time I run into this when I get that phone call from somebody that says, you know, I got an employee's doing this and it's been going on for eighteen months and I ask the questions like, Well what have you done about it? Nothing
0: bitched about it behind closed doors
1: <laughs> it's all like it is no, right? eva-
0: no evaluation no no uh, counseling in between letting people and that's for good or bad uh, performance if someone's doing something exceptional well I mean I'm not so much that person but you know a lot of people like to hear you know that they're doing the right thing you know get the confirmation yeah. that they're that their uh, efforts are, are being noticed and uh, helping them uh, come to the end statement, that mission statement.
1: Do you believe if you recognize somebody's accomplishments and the things that they are doing well, that they're easier to work with when you have to put them back on another path? Or I wouldn't say discipline them, but give them that like developmental feedback and, and that guidance to move them in the direction you need them to go to?
0: I hated doing it.
1: That didn't answer the question.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, well, I don't know. I mean, for me, um, I, I used to like the type of leadership where I wasn't told what to do. I was just kind of showed uh-huh. shown my wrongdoings through, through, through an example, uh, uh, and I'll give, I'll give an example of it. So, at the end of that deployment, uh, I actually had to take a break. Uh, the guys were all burnt out. Uh, everybody had done over 100 uh, direct action missions. It was wow. a very, it was a very vigorous, active deployment. Uh, not like anything I've ever seen on our side of the house as far as the white soft. We we worked a lot, uh, but we had to take a break to write uh, myself and my OIC to write, uh, and and the tour awards and deployment awards. So. And we were really busy and had a bunch of operations that were already pre-approved, so I wanted to get this done fast. So I sat down and did this, and I'm writing up, like, bronze stars for guys, Mm -hmm. which is is a a high (coughs) combat award. And I write, like, a page and a half for each of these guys. And we get done in, like, three days. We hand all these packages to uh, the troop commander, and he looks at them, doesn't say anything. He's like, this is the one I wrote for – Garth and it's like 15 pages long. <laughs> and I'm like, all right I just grabbed my paperwork back and we went back to the drawing board uh, so he didn't he, he didn't say hey Mike what are you stupid go fix this he was like this is what I wrote for Garth but that guy did that stuff to me all the time uh, made me see
1: the gentle nudge
0: you know, yeah gentle nudge is actually uh, Actually, I, I guess i take it as a compliment because I was actually known as hard-headed and hard-nosed and, and the fact that he would try the gentle. I wonder how many gentle nudges he tried to give me prior to the gentle <laughs> nudge that I actually noticed.
1: <laughs> you, you probably know, just, uh, nudged you, you're all green, you didn't realize oh my it.
0: Gosh, you know, I just realized that. <laughs> I was just giving myself credit for being like, being like so observant that I was able to pick the one up that he gave me. How many did I miss? <laughs> I bet you at least one or two, at least, at least. <laughs> I'm glad he had. I'm glad I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have to ask him now. So, I'm glad he had the confidence, though, to keep giving me the gentle nudges and not the slap upside the head, <laughs> which I've sometimes used. You know, not literally, but. <laughs> uh, there, there is the back forty, though, in the SEAL teams.
1: The back 40?
0: Yeah. Uh, that was a
1: what, explain the back. What is the back 40? Well, the 40 back 40 mean?
0: means that's where all the mill vans are, where all the gear is. Oh,
1: okay. Thank you. That's
0: usually where you take offenders of the law.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or when uh, two guys have uh, a disagreement, they go back there and scrap it out. Oh, And that's where it's supposed to be left. It out? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, have you ever been to the, uh, uh, the boxing matches they have? on base I forget what they're called Uh smokers no I haven't yet you gotta go see smokers Uh, I just anybody in the military in that area that wants to get into a boxing match and it's hilarious
1: you'll have to take me to one Yeah, we'll go to one that'll be cool so I don't can I ask you what your not best day was can I ask that question or no not best day yeah uh, like, what was your...
0: I had screened uh, uh, for a more elite unit. Okay. And I didn't get in. I was told that I screened positive. Uh, uh, basically, I got beat out. So this is post 9-11. Uh, I checked into a training command uh, from SEAL teammate And three days later, uh, 9-11 happened so i was at that training command for a couple years before i could go back to a seal team to go operational um i was at training command teaching tactics and stuff and watching the change which was interesting uh technology jumped um we went from not using MVGs on a regular basis uh, to wearing them um, as a standard operating procedure optics on our weapon systems radios uh, it was and then the tactics um, which had to be adjusted according to what was actually happening uh, overseas which i mean that's that's kind of the in the corporate world i mean you can apply that also uh you know military operations you know you collect information you know you know what your end state is you collect the information that you need uh, uh, to target um, you put together the plan to go after the target you go after the target you Collect information afterwards on how it went, what was good, what was bad, uh, how you can improve, <coughs> and then uh, what information you can take from that to go on to the next target. Um, pretty much the same way you do in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. You just have to adjust the terminology. That evaluation,
1: yeah. 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 Well, it's a circle. The, the, yeah, and the, but the critical evaluation and looking for the fail points and and making and making those necessary improvements. I mean, it helps and. It, If you don't do it, then you just ultimately continue to pay the price for it.
0: Yeah. Well, you got to know history, too.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Repeat itself.
1: It has a tendency to do Um, that.
0: I thought, know what is actually the true history, too.
1: Yeah. So you've seen, I mean, and I'm not going to ask for any, like, call-outs and individuals, but you've been in a position where the SEAL teams really had this, over your 20-odd some years, major culture shift that's taken place I mean think about I mean just the landscape of doing business for the military basically is a, a pre 9-11 world to a post 9-11 world you've seen culture shift happen with technology you've seen it with tactics you've seen it with leadership <clears throat> I mean you've had to have seen some pretty pretty impressing stuff and some pretty not so impressing stuff and
0: I, a whole lot of things have changed and it's it's funny if you stay on in one spot long enough Uh, the idea that you changed will come back full circle
1: sometimes
0: (laughs) man, that was stupid you know 15 years later we're doing the same thing that we were saying 15 years ago that was stupid Uh, but you know things change the environment changes Uh, it might have been stupid at the time now it might be a good tactic that makes uh, sense to use Uh, that's that constant state of evaluation and that falling into a uh, this is the way it's always been done must be right because I hate when someone tells me, uh, when they're presented with a different way to do something, well, this is the way we've always done it. Oh, I was like, that's nuts. a terrible argument. That doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't mean it's right. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that's been done the same way for a long time. Yeah. That's not right. <clears throat> um, but the environment, people, you know, everything changes that can make one idea terrible at one point. Probably, the you know, might be the best idea at another. Was that a tangent? Were we actually talking about that? No, some? that
1: was really yeah. good. No, I like that. That wasn't a tangent. You did get on that one. So in the back end of your career, did you start to see a change taking place generationally?
0: Uh, I did, and it's it's reflective. And uh, I think they're smarter now. I mean, we've got a lot more people coming in the SEAL teams. I mean, I got kicked out of high school. I couldn't even get in the Marine Corps because I had a GED. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But thank God although I love the Marine Corps thank God I did not get in the Marine Corps that would have been a four year stint for sure okay that, that was a tangent uh, so they you know all the stuff that I had to learn when technology started changing on you know, like our radios on how to take a picture with <laughs> a camera where you had to adjust it Freaking aperture! <laughs> These kids don't know that stuff anymore. No, but we they would don't. take we would take a picture that would take thirty minutes to take a picture with
1: actual film.
0: With actual film, yeah. Um, develop it in the field, and be like, damn, uh, this! <laughs> I didn't take the cover off this. Then <laughs> <laughs> I have to take another thirty minute picture, upload it to this dinosaur uh, uh, of a computer, try to upload it to the uh, to the to the radio that's gonna shoot a sat signal back to a talk. And these kids now are doing that stuff in like elementary school with their cell phones.
1: Instantaneously. <laughs> yeah, so
0: everything that's like, you know, it's funny what what we have as protected TTPs, techniques, uh, training procedures is become commonplace. Wow. Um, um, <laughs> find friends on your iPhone come on
1: <laughs> our iPhone has replaced the flashlight
0: jeez oh, I got an Android uh, <coughs> well but, doesn't
1: matter your phone has replaced but, the flashlight you know, Whatever.
0: NSA's got a dossier on every, on every one of us right now so.
1: well I'm boring so they don't pay attention to me hmm,
0: they'll be able to use it somehow healthcare now something. that's a tangent yes. <laughs> I like the conspiracy theory yes, you do. I was watching too much Gaia yesterday
1: <laughs> you know, when you <coughs> got me interested in a guy, now I'm going to go on a tangent. When you got me interested in a guy, and I looked at him and I'm like, yeah, this is right up Mike's alley. This yeah, is not to, me. There's a couple rabbit
0: holes in that app. It's That's interesting. It's
1: so funny. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, but generationally speaking, but I think it's kind of cool because, you know, you guys were brought up from the older generation, you know, the guys that essentially started the SEAL teams. You know, all the way back from 1942 and then there was the when they were UDT frogmen and then mm-hmm. they became the seals in 1962 under uh, John F Kennedy <clears throat> I mean you got you learned from the plank owners
0: yeah I think if, if there's any difference is and I don't know if this is biased but I, I would say the only difference I would see is is, is the grit the the ability to accept um, something that sucks over a longer period of time mm-hmm. has gone away a little bit uh i think they're better at short range at that and the argument now is that what, what do they call call these people this generation now the
1: current generation yeah. the one that's just entering the workforce yeah. or the one that's been in for a little while the one
0: that's been in for a little while
1: that's generation
0: y okay what's the one now that's
1: that's so Generation Y is the Millennials. And okay, so you hear, Z, you hear a
0: lot of complaints about the Millennials. Right. And I think the over, over, overarching complaint about Millennials from other generations. I don't even know what generation I am. I think we're I'm a baby X-ers. boomer. No, you're not. You and I are.
1: So you were born in 70. I was born yeah. in 71. I was 71. You're, okay, so we're yeah. both born in 71. Yeah. And that, I think you were born in 70. Anyway, but uh, X starts in about 67, '60. 60, Five, so, sixty-six. Yeah.
0: Back off of that tangent. The millennials get accused of being entitled.
1: Yeah, and, they do. I don't agree with it.
0: Uh, well, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe in a different part of society, but we got a bunch of millennials that are going overseas and fighting bad guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't much care for what society says people are supposed to be.
1: No, that's, or that's what I'm they saying. Are. I don't agree with it. Yeah.
0: Uh, if you watch TV, 75% of the stuff you're consuming is yeah. is misinformation. Uh,
1: so it goes back to what you were saying about the worst argument possible is that this is the way it's always been done. When we look at the context of millennials coming in, they they have a different worldview because they were they were brought up with different influences. Well,
0: they do. And things, and like we were talking about earlier, things that were a pain in the butt for us to learn. They're learning elementary school, and it transfers over probably into a lot of the, the workforce now. Right. Uh, I wish we could bring back more trade, but yeah. we, we have to bring back more trade because uh, everybody can't write a blog That's right. or work at Google. <laughs> That's they just they just can't.
1: No, but you're right. And, but, and the thing with the – you had said it earlier, and I loved how you said it, is that sometimes with this generation that there's less of a tolerance – um, you know, it's shortened as far as the duration that somebody's willing or is capable of tolerating mm-hmm. the things that suck.
0: Because things are easier. Life, easier. life is easier. And that's right. funny you bring that up because Rand did a study that NSW has spent a lot of money trying to figure out where to recruit. Yeah. You know, the attrition rate in, in BUDS is 75%. Mm-hmm. It takes 100 guys to make 25 SEALs just going through the school and you're still an idiot when you get out. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> You, yeah, you, have, you think you do. I,
1: I know, but I just like you, think you, you said.
0: <laughs> I thought I did. I thought I knew what I was doing until I showed up at SEAL Team. And uh, tangent again, we should count those.
1: <laughs> 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 but anyway, you, you you were talking about we were talking about the duration of to, being able to tolerate something that sucks. Oh yeah,
0: so Rand did this. Uh, they did uh, the study to figure out where we would, could recruit from. Cr- recruit from <laughs> and uh, not surprisingly it was uh, recruit from areas where life is a little bit harder Midwest
1: yeah
0: you know the boys <laughs> the boys that grew up chucking 80 pound hay, uh, hay bales working the farms um, you know Clark Sweller the guy that died on my op I just came back from his place uh, beautiful place but life is actually you know it's a little bit harder because the weather's more extreme uh, and, uh, your everyday Uh, movement (laughs) throughout your existence and the environment you're in uh, can make you softer or harder and it's it's stuff that you don't probably recognize it's taken for granted Um, when I moved from the West Coast SEAL teams to the East Coast SEAL teams operationally it was more difficult because the environment was more difficult Um, and it does build a more resilient um, uh, person to You know, that's what we were saying earlier. Just practice resiliency. You know, work out, get out in the cold. Um, I I finished most of my showers with cold. Um, Not really to build resiliency. I actually like the way that feels. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I just, uh, you know, some places it's worse. I just came back from Upper Peninsula, Michigan, so I take a nice hot shower to make sure I'm clean. And then I turn on the cold water and stand there as long as I can take it. And Michigan's a lot less time, but
1: <laughs> water's
0: a bit colder coming out of the cold faucet. But
1: yeah, that's cool. So <clears throat> I like where I was going earlier. Is I like how we talk about the generation that has that shorter duration. I think one of the challenges, I know the challenge that exists out there for leaders, is that they're facing that they're facing that generation that has a shorter tolerance for doing things that aren't comfortable or doing things that they don't like to do or things that aren't of interest and they want to move on and because you know they they do have new ideas and they are fresh and they are innovative and i think it's a real challenge to find the recipe to the secret sauce to keep those individuals engaged in the things that well there is no recipe
0: because (laughs) Everybody's different, Um, and and I had I had to learn this in the SEAL teams. One one form of leadership is not going to be effective for a group of people. Yeah, it's it's going to be effective for some of them, and it's going to turn some of them off. Um, you almost have to have like basic psychology skills so you know how to, you know, be understanding other people's emotions and have to have some kind of empathy. Um, if you're so... Can't even fake that you're empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't even fake it, they're they're going to see it. Uh, and they're going to see that they, uh, they, you don't care for them. Yeah. I never told those guys, but I, I, I yeah. almost saw them as my kids. So I would take... I would take more risk um, when I could um, so that they didn't have to take the risk. I always had to bring somebody with me because uh, we had to work in pairs. Um, and he was he was one of the guys that made my job easy. Uh, they pretty much ran it. I had guys that were subordinate to me mm-hmm. that I worked with. <laughs> That knew more shit than I did. And I knew it. I knew it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't try to act like, because I've seen this, try to, try to fake and act like you know something. It's better off if you just understand that the people around you have the skill sets. And that's it's your job just to manage it, not your job to understand everything. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure right now I can teach something I know nothing about. Just because I know the structure of it, and can run something if I have the right people there, um, it's it's something you got to learn. Uh, I guess you can actively go out and seek how to understand how different people learn. Uh, I don't think you can learn empathy.
1: No, I but think that's most of us thing. have it. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> if it's you can if you
0: can get out from underneath all the other stuff that's bothering you, actually yeah. have empathy for somebody else, but if you're not a victim.
1: Yeah. And I, you know...
0: But I do think you should build more on self than worry about taking care of other people.
1: What do you mean by that? Explain that.
0: Uh, well, I didn't know what my wants and needs were because I was so busy being a people pleaser, which is more than likely, you know, derivative from my childhood, you know, I had to please people to make sure that I didn't get hurt. Right. Um, and transferred over, you know, made my my codependencies from that, and, you know, transferred over. And um, until recently, I didn't even really understand my behavior. I didn't know what my wants and needs were. I was just wrapped up in service to everybody else around me with total disregard to myself because I didn't understand what my wants and needs were because uh, I was too wrapped up in everything else. Once you identify that, it's pretty pretty easy to have the people in your life. At least give them the chance. You know, these are my wants and needs. Give them the chance to meet them. If they can't, then uh, it's it's not selfish to go take care of yourself.
1: No, I agree. And mine was um, <clears throat> mine. I crashed was a, and burned
0: because of it. Yeah,
1: so. mine wasn't that. Mine was my insecurities. You know, it's like a lot of people will look at me and they're like, God, you like the most confident person. And I'm like, really? Because you should hear the chatter inside yeah. my head. I have a friend of mine down you in Australia. Some,
0: every once in a while, I'm going to tell that voice to shut up.
1: Yeah. Well, right. my friend down right. in Australia, she's been on the show. Her name is Lauren. She refers to it as the itty-bitty, shady committee.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's always there, isn't
1: it? It is. But, you know, but I get I've what had, you're I've saying. I've had problems
0: with self-confidence.
1: Yeah. So. I know. We've talked about right. that, too. But the But the being the people pleaser, and it's like trying to get... People to motivate, trying to motivate people because you're trying to support them, but in a way that is not. I mean, look, children need guidance and correction for a reason, and I'm not saying that our employees are children. Some of them may mm-hmm. act like it from time to time, but that's not it. But it's the same philosophy. If you put, I still ex- need adult supervision. <laughs> yes, I do. have none currently. Again, I've seen you go four wheeling on a golf cart. I have, I
0: have no adult supervision <laughs> currently. I'm screening.
1: <laughs> but that's um. But that comes back to those boundaries and those expectations. And but you, what you have to do is again invest, make that investment in yourself. You were talking about resilience. If you don't, if you don't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of anything else.
0: Uh, you eventually to up crashing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's
0: right. You have to build the base.
1: Yeah, you have to put that foundation in place. And then, I mean, you don't have to be so regimented with it. It helps.
0: No, I'm on a lazy cycle
1: yeah but you're at least doing something
0: well I am yeah like I said Harry keeps me honest <laughs> I meant to go to hot yoga this morning <laughs> I did not but
1: see I wouldn't do hot yoga because hot in front of yoga to me is not appealing yoga I'll do but not hot yoga
0: I like it I think it's it's part of the way I build resiliency I kind of suck at it uh, you get benefit from it when you do it regularly over the years I've done it with friends, or go do like this class, like every once every couple six months or something. That was no benefit. That just sucked. Um, but for me, it makes me focus on things that I, that I. It makes me find things that I'm not good at, and it makes me focus on it. And it, and it is hard, and that's kind of how I continue to build my resiliency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do that hot 26 because bakram that's a weird dude called Bakram. <laughs> what's that? oh it's a cult pretty much but
1: <laughs> tangent
0: <laughs> so the hot 26 but I like it when all forms of yoga <coughs> I've yet to bring her in I'll bring her in until like a regular yoga class I can't bring her into a hot
1: no it's a
0: little too hot. but that's 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 when I'm doing good, I, I'm on a regular workout schedule. I'm eating well. Um, I haven't quite figured out sleep, but I'm usually good four to five hours.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know, this is the first time in my life I haven't had a nine-to-five job, so my sleeping schedule just does whatever it wants to. You know, I was up at 2 o'clock last night for some reason. Back to sleep a couple hours later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, any last words of wisdom?
0: Uh, I have no words of wisdom. Yes, you do. You no. know, the whole episode has been words of wisdom. So, no, I yeah. just uh, kind of like to show uh, things that happened to me. I don't like giving advice. It makes I me know. feel hypocritical. But I'm not the person to give
1: advice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I still need adult supervision.
1: But. Well, so they can... So we we mentioned it in the beginning. Again, where can people find you if they wanted to follow you on on social media and and the book release, which I'm just super. I really am excited about it.
0: I think it's a good product. We did it. Uh, we did it responsibly. And uh, there's stuff in this book that's going to uh, pretty much touch just about everybody. There's child there's child abuse in this book. You know the seal teams, which I think is the most non-interesting part, but the eye catcher. You know, the fact that I got shot 27 times. Uh, I was a social worker essentially for seven years after I got out, and that's uh, probably the more profound lessons that I've I've come across in my life, and and uh, probably where I learned most about myself and other people. Uh, but I can be found on social media on Instagram at Mike Day 5326. And on my website uh, for my book that's going to be released 9 June is at perfectlywounded.com.
1: That's awesome! I really am excited for you. It's like you got a whole new world coming at you. That
0: yeah, it's going to be different for sure. Yeah. Or I'm going to have to go back to work.
1: (laughs) No, i I think you'll, I think your book will definitely make a a major impact. But
0: still going to be work.
1: Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brenda. You're welcome. Today I'd like to give a shout out to Cindy, Jennifer, and Lee over in the NextGen Women in HR community. You guys are awesome. Your engagement has been just fantastic. And I'm really excited that y'all are getting a a good boost out of it. Um, We also have some announcements today. We've got some free webinars that are coming up in the Facebook group. Mark your calendars on Monday, February 17th. We're going to be hosting and answering your employee investment plan administration questions with special guest Veronica Bray. That is going to be over in the Facebook group over at NextGen Women in HR. Also, Wednesday, March 4th, I'm going to be hosting Common Expensive I-9 Mistakes over in the Facebook group, and these two events are actually going to be Facebook Live. Also, Monday, March 23rd in the Facebook group, we are going to have an open Q&A session as well. And then also over on Wednesday, on March 18th, will be a workshop called The Heartbreak of Office Romance. Now, that event is actually found over on the events page at the bestpractices.org website. We're going to be doing both a live and a virtual workshop, the virtual Workshop link is not up just yet. Right now, tickets are only available for the for the live in-person workshop over in Virginia Beach. It's going to be held down on iFly. Everybody who attends must have a ticketed ticket as this is a ticketed event. So, um, but once we get it, it'll probably be about another week until we get the um, for the virtual workshop link up and you guys can go ahead and actually view that simultaneously as a live webinar. You can submit your questions on the bestpractices.org website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu up at the top and down towards the bottom of the podcast page is a submission form where you can go ahead and post your question, which I may read and answer on an upcoming episode. So today's question is, what other policies can you put in place for a part-time hourly employee who is just hired, has already used five days of PTO by calling in sick at the last minute? We agree that his absenteeism is not something that we can tolerate, and we want to prevent other part-time employees from doing this in the future. So when I read this initially, my first response is, is that policies are only going to do so much. And now, I, I don't know the full backstory on this. I only have a very limited amount of information. But as it's phrased, that's the first thing that came to my mind is, you know, you, if you're worrying more about whether policy is going to be able to stop a freight train, uh, that's not necessarily going to be the case. This situation involves management and involves some leadership in it. If, if there's an employee, first off, PTO policies, if you have an employee that comes in and they're already and they just started, they haven't even been able to uh, accrue any time whatsoever, if they're going into the negative Man, you're gonna, you're you're really at risk for losing some money with the or with the organization because the likelihood of that person staying around is going to be very marginal. Now, there's some rare cases out there and where that sort of thing isn't going to happen, but for the most part, you, you're you're in for a little bit of a rough ride. So, if your PTO policy is allowing new employees or any employees to go into arrears and they haven't been with the organization for very long, I would take a step back and honestly take a look at that. And the other thing is, is that if this is one person, and if this is, again, I don't know a lot of the backstory behind this, but you're talking about a part-time employee who's calling in at the last minute. To be honest with you, if a part-time employee or any employee in there having an attendance issue, then you need to sit down and you need to manage the situation. And, you know, we talked about this a long time ago, in an episode where we were talking about disrupting, uh, uh, excuse me, disruptive behavior. And one of the things I said, it's perfectly okay that when somebody calls in sick, you can say, no, you need to be here. We need you to come in and we need you to perform your work. And it's absolutely okay to do that. Does the employee still have the option to come in or not come in? Yeah, they do. But if you're telling them that they're you know, there's a challenge with their absenteeism that they need to be the ones to help fix the problem then, and they're still doing it. Now you've got really a lot more latitude to exercise disciplinary action and to actually manage the situation effectively. So um, that's just my two cents on this one. Um, Yeah, just initially, I I think this is more of a conversation. I think if, if you get to a point where you are micromanaging people by very, overly stringent policies number one you're going to wind up inevitably having to violate them and uh, because you can you can only put so much in writing before all of a sudden the situation comes up where you have to actually violate your own your own your own policies and then number two like I said you can have something in writing but that's not going to change the behavior so when you're actually doing some form of performance management the goal is to actually change the undesired behavior into desired behavior and if they can't do that then you can promote them to consumer or you can at least consider doing that. So great. Thank you for sending that in. I really appreciate it. Now, something that I'm aware of is how awesome and exciting the HR field is. I actually really, truly, honestly love this role, this industry. It's a lot of fun. It's been a very rewarding career for me. It has definitely produced its share of challenges. But at the end of the day, it's actually extremely meaningful work, which is why I became so attracted to the industry is that I just wanted to help people, I wanted to help fellow employees in the workplace find answers to their question. I certainly am aware of the challenges and the limits, and one of them being what it's like to sit in that HR seat by yourself. I know what it feels like to actually figure out how to do this job as a beginner with very little guidance and direction. I also know what it's like to try and find answers out there in where there's a wealth of information, you really don't even know if it's right or not. I also know what it feels like to feel very isolated in this field of work because there's really only so many people that you can talk to. I also know what it feels like to look in on other sites and other, I wouldn't call them chat rooms, but like Facebook groups or or different types of groups where you see a wide variety of responses to questions, but I'm also starting to see now a real a real gap in doing things appropriately and things inappropriately. So this past January, I actually launched a new online community for those people that I just described who felt just like me in the HR field and and wanting to really get their feet in and and get rooted in it. And the community is really open to anybody who is established, established HR champion and those who are really wanting to become one, and I was inspired to contribute to women in HR on a regular basis because I know what it's like to be a business owner, and I know what it's like to work with business owners and office admins coming up to me saying, I don't know anything about HR, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know where to look for my information, and I'm really afraid that I'm going to make a mistake. It reminded me of those times when I was consulting to clients for a large payroll company, and it really really resonated with me and i remember what it felt like being in that army of one i remember what it felt like when i didn't think i had the necessary support or the knowledge and i had to really use my gut and it's scary And I remember what it was like when I had zero support whatsoever and had to fight my way through to get something accomplished. So I'm on a mission to connect with 20,000 women in HR to positively, positively, and it just wasn't going to come out there. Let's try that again. I'm on a mission to connect with 20,000 women in HR to positively impact the lives of 1 million employees. And by doing that is by helping those 20,000 women in HR. Now, the NextGen Women in HR membership site is a place for women to come, learn, connect, share resources, and go deep to understand how to apply new knowledge and perform the HR function with tools and current resources. Most importantly, it is the place to get support. Now, this decade has already started providing us with some really interesting new challenges, and a lot like some of the ones that we've talked on the show. Especially when we're talking about generationally, like what we were talking with Mike. Now, there's two places to connect. First off, start with the Next Gen Women in HR membership site and invest in yourself. Go deeper. Ask for help. Find a mentor. Participate in networking events and connect one-on-one with other HR champions. As my friend and guest, previous guest Lauren has said, you deserve to be well-known, well-paid, and wanted. So join the Next Gen Women HR site at bestpractices.work in this industry and you should be known for your talent be paid for your skills and wanted for your abilities now we also have an active facebook group called the next-gen women in hr facebook group and that is another great place to connect and interact i'm in there every day at nine a.m. i always do some form of facebook live and this is where i get to share information on how to network how to brand yourself as an hr professional and I share case studies on HR scenarios and best practices on how to disconnect and recharge. It's also a place where we celebrate people's successes. It's a growing group. We're about 88 members strong now, which isn't too bad seeing as how we kicked it off on January 6th. And here we are January, uh, February 12th. So it's only six weeks old and we've got a really, really great group of people in there. Now, if you don't have to, you know, don't have the ability to kind of write all this stuff down as you're running around and doing whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, don't worry about it. You're welcome to go ahead and shoot me a message in any one of my social sites, and I will be happy to go ahead and direct you. Or you can go ahead and click on the connect link at the top of the best website and I'll get you the information that you need. Now the indus- HR industry is a feminine driven industry by nature and yes we like our guys too. So HR guys come on in and we actually do have we do have men that are in the Facebook group. So this past week we actually kicked off our second series on branding yourself as an HR pro. And already gotten some really fantastic feedback out of feedback out of it. And it's all about moving forward this month and what you can do to keep up that momentum. And I cannot wait to connect with you guys. So take your experience deeper by joining the NextGen Women in HR member site at bestpractices.org. This is where you get to invest and learn about the what and the how of HR by going deeper into the experience with a dedicated community to learn, grow, develop, connect with. Others who actually want to learn or want to mentor and have access to tools that will help you perform the role. I also mentioned earlier in this episode that you can read the HR news announcements I share on the podcast show, like the ones that I said earlier, and also ones that I don't share on the show. The links to these articles are now part of the Next Gen Women in HR membership site on the bestpractices.org website as well. And in fact, We've got the Sherm National Conference that is coming up in San Diego this year, and I am going to be hosting a networking event for listeners and anybody who just wants to connect. anybody's part of the tribe, people that want to become part of the tribe, that information is actually going to be posted in the Facebook group. All this information is updated weekly and regularly, and it is what helps me stay current in my profession as an HR pro. And I promise you it will absolutely help you do the same. And I am really excited because I'm looking forward to connecting with a bunch of people, and I can't wait to have you under the tribe. Now you can also follow me in over on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can find me again over on Instagram at Brenda the HR Lady. You can also locate me and follow me over on YouTube and LinkedIn by just typing in my name, which is Brenda Neckvottle, and the last name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And of course, you can always, always find me over on the website at bestpractices.org. Go ahead and click connect at the top of the page, and get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. And folks, thanks again for yet another awesome episode. Um, really super excited about what's coming down every week. Of course, I get all excited about everything. So, <laughs> But I really, really enjoy having you guys here. We're coming up on the 50th episode. Holy cow. This was episode number 47. We've got two other really great episodes uh, coming up soon. And the fiftieth episode, the fiftieth, I've got a very special guest who kind of took a little bit of a different turn on how we recorded this because we did a two for one kind of recording. We did a video podcast and a audio podcast at the same time for two completely different shows, so it was a lot of fun. The fiftieth guest is Michael Copon. He is an actor. He was the Blue Power Ranger in the Power Rangers Time Force series from 2002 to 2004. Super Guy, a lot of fun. We had a great time. He is a prolific entrepreneur. Uh, he's he's got some. He's got a pretty good, pretty good uh, acting dossier, and um, and it's going to be a lot of fun listening. So we're, I'm talking to Mike. Just the same way as we talked to Dallas when we did the What's on Your Mind of a Young Entrepreneur. And so you definitely get to hear about what a Blue Power Ranger actually knows about HR. So if you're wondering, speak to So you guys have a really great one. And uh, I'm out. I'll talk to you later.